There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Friends, we are looking at the Gospel of John, Chapter 16. Our lesson is called, When He Comes. It's based on John 16, verses 8 to 15. Now, the coming of the Holy Spirit to this planet in fullness and power is something that the Holy Hebrew prophets and ancient Israel looked forward to with great expectation. Indeed, they waited centuries. Prior to the time of Jesus, only a chosen few of the Israelites understood and experienced the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Usually, it was the priests and the prophets and occasionally some of the kings. Now, all the kings were anointed, but according to our calculation, there were 39 kings of Israel and Judah, and of the 39, only eight did was right in the sight of the Lord and the others did not. That means none of the kings of the northern kingdom did was right in the sight of the Lord, and that was 19 of them. And 12 of the 20 kings of Judah did not do what was right in the Lord's sight. So that means they weren't walking with God, even though they should have by rights had access to the Holy Spirit. But let's go on the assumption that everyone who was formally publicly anointed also had the Holy Spirit's fullness. They were still a small, elite minority. What the prophets indicated, especially Joel in chapter 2 of his great prophecy, that in the last days, says God, he would pour out of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Servants and handmaidens will receive the Spirit in that day, and they will prophesy. That's male and female. So the Holy Spirit was not only going to be universally spread as far as people are concerned, he would even be gender neutral, or shall we say he would be with male and female. Everyone would have access. This kind of universal 
reception of the Holy Spirit was something ancient Israel longed for. And now Jesus is teaching it's coming. It's coming very soon. Remember that John the Baptist told people, I baptize you with water, but the coming Holy One, who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. This baptism in the Spirit is like an invisible, heavenly, permanent immersion. In other words, we don't stop being immersed. We have access to the Holy Spirit wherever we go, and the more we drink from the river, the more we are wonderfully filled. So let me read to you from this portion of John sixteen eight to 15. Let me read verse 8. And when he is come, this is the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So it's not just party time. It's not just revival time. It's also a time of, how do we put it? He's going to correct. He's going to convict the world of three things, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So it's basically one big spring house cleaning, when the Spirit comes. And when did the Spirit come? He came on the day of Pentecost, as wonderfully recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Day, and we believe that's the day the Christian church was born. As a visible, manifest company of believers, part of the Jesus movement that not only had made a big impact in its day, but has actually changed the face of the world over the last 2,000 years. When you know the story of the birth and growth of the church, it has all the marks of supernatural intervention. Let's read now the entire portion from John chapter 16, verses 8 to 15. Our lesson is called, When He Comes, based on John chapter 16, verses 8 to 15. Now, all these letters here that I'm about to read are in red, which means they're direct quotes from Jesus. So let's listen carefully. John 16, verse 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Our reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 8 to 15. And our lesson is called, When He Comes. The He, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Well, let's begin. John 16, verse 8. When He Comes. What is Jesus doing? He's preparing his followers for his eventual passion, suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. 
This is to help prepare them for the biggest events of human history. In the midst of some unhappy news, for example, he's going to depart, there's going to be persecution, one of their members will betray him, he promises to send the Holy Spirit, which is very happy news. Now that he's coming is announced, that is of the Spirit, Jesus goes on to explain what the Holy Spirit will do when he comes. Well, he's coming to convict the world of three things. Those things are sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is going to commence, as I said earlier, one big spring house cleaning in the midst of a dark and fallen world. So the Holy Spirit is going to be incredibly active. I mean, comparing his activity on earth to what he does in heaven, I can't say. All I know is the Holy Spirit has been very, very industrious over the last 2,000 years here on this planet. So let's begin with the first thing, sin. John 16, 9. The Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of sin. What exactly is sin? It's not something, unfortunately, we hear a lot even in churches. We should, because sin is alive and well on planet Earth. Sin is wreaking havoc destroying lives, condemning souls, dragging people down to a Christless eternity. It's horrible. It's a. It's more than a scandal. It is a tragedy. It is a great enemy. But fortunately, it's an enemy that Christ has under his feet. And when we are in Christ and part of his body, sin should be under our feet as well. So really, what is sin? Sin means to miss the mark. God's mark, God's target, God's bullseye. Sin means to violate God's law, to serve carnal ways, and to reject God's spiritual pathway. According to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, everybody is guilty of sin. Nobody is exempt, except Jesus Christ himself. Not only is everyone guilty of sin, but we learn in Romans 6.23, the first part, that the wages of sin is death. Only Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, and thus he had become the perfect sacrifice and savior for sin. In this verse, John sixteen nine, sin is seeing as not believing in Jesus. In other words, it sounds simple, but it's so true. There's all kinds of sins the big sins, the small sins, the stale and the spectacular, the public and the private, the headline-grabbing and the obscure. But regardless of the nature of the sin, all the results are the same. The wages of sin is death. Guess what? The remedy is also the same regardless of the size, nature, or frequency of sin. The remedy is the gospel of Christ. And it can only be applied by faith. Simply performing religious do's and don'ts cannot atone for sin. Only faith in the gospel can. So failure to believe the gospel renders a person stuck in their sins. Let me read that to you. John sixteen nine. The Holy Spirit's coming to convict of sin because they believe not on me. Every other sin is forgivable even the horrible, heinous ones. But failure to believe in Jesus locks you out 
from forgiveness of sin, from atonement, from everything, because you're not receiving the only plausible remedy for the sin problem. That's what the Holy Spirit will convict the world of. That's the first. The second is righteousness. The Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of righteousness. John 16, verse 10. What is righteousness anyway? This is defined as right conduct towards God and right standing with God. Righteousness is the opposite of sinfulness. It is a condition that the first couple, Adam and Eve, had before their transgression. And it is what believers in Christ have now, righteousness. We are able to approach a holy God because of righteousness. Think of that great verse, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us boldly come to the throne of grace, where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Without righteousness, we could not fulfill that verse. We would be not allowed anywhere near the throne of grace. Righteousness is the key that unlocks the presence of God to us. But remember, it's not our righteousness that gets us into the throne of grace. It's Christ's righteousness that makes the difference. Believers do not come to God in their own righteousness, but through Jesus. That's what Philippians 3 tells us, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In this discourse, Jesus defines righteousness as the Holy Son of God, having to endure the most horrible of indignities on earth, finally gets a well-earned reward and returns to glory and splendor at the right hand of God. The righteous will see God. So with that, let me repeat to you the words of John 16:10. The Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Then in verse 11, the Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Judgment is not a popular topic. Just ask the prophet Jeremiah. He just didn't only get into hot water. He ended up in a deep, dark cistern, a dungeon, because he gave prophecy that had judgment. However, we need to hear the doctrine of judgment if we're going to have a righteous world. After all, judgment is one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith along with repentance, faith, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of dead, and final judgment. This is Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2. We need the doctrine of judgment. Judgment is how God rights every wrong and rewards every right. Judgment ultimately is God's prerogative. It does not mean, as some think, income redistribution. It means rewarding the righteous and punishing the wicked. This is true justice. In this gospel age, the mercy of God is fully evident. Though we are all guilty as sin, we can be declared righteous by the free gift of the gospel of Christ. Reject Christ and the gospel, and judgment is the only future left. Here Jesus speaks of the prince of this world being judged. Who is the prince of this world? Well, he's no one less than Satan, the devil, the old serpent, the dragon himself. Christ's work on the cross 
is condemnation and judgment that the sin and devil so richly deserve. Well, many more things to talk about. We know why the Holy Spirit's coming. He's coming because of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus goes on to say in John sixteen twelve, I have spoken much, but guess what? I have even more to share with you. However, at this point, you are not able to bear it. Indeed, you're already having trouble digesting what I've already shared with you. So let's focus on the next stage, John sixteen thirteen. when the Spirit of truth comes. He will fill every gap. What will the Spirit of truth do besides convicting the world? This is what he does for believers. He will guide believers into all truth. I highlight that word, or actually those two words, all truth. The Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. Like Christ, whatever he hears, he shall also speak. So the Holy Spirit is in many ways mirroring the ministry of Christ, but because of coming in the nature of God, all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, he can do it in a universal way that Jesus in the flesh could not. Because in the flesh, Jesus had limitations, but in the Spirit, there are no limitations. So the Spirit of truth is coming. He only will tell us the truth. We can trust him for that. He will speak what God the Father wants us to know. And yes, there's a bonus. The Spirit of truth will show us things to come. He will be prophetic. We will learn about last days. We will learn about prophecy and how it affects us and how it is a positive thing to learn and apply Bible prophecy. It is a light that shines in a dark place. Verse 14 of John 16, the Holy Spirit's singular mission is to point people to Christ. He shall glorify Christ. He will take the things of Christ and show them unto the world. And finally, our last verse for this lesson, John sixteen fifteen: from the Father to Son to Sons. All things that belong to the Father now are Christ. The Holy Spirit will take what is Christ, which actually is God's, and show it to you. As is written, we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. Whatever belongs to God belongs to Christ. Whatever belongs to Christ is revealed to us. Do you realize what an immense privilege we are given simply because we name the name of Jesus. Now our lesson is called, When He Comes. What is our lesson for life? When you receive the spirit of truth, you will have discernment between God's truth and the world's error. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.